0: Hello, and welcome to the Hardcore Zen Podcast. My name is Brad Warner. I'm the author of Hardcore Zen, Letters to a Dead Friend About Zen, Sit Down and Shut Up, Zen Wrapped in Karma, Dipped in Chocolate, Uh, Came from Beyond Zen, Don't Be a Jerk, and a bunch of other books about Zen, Buddhism, and other stuff. This podcast is sponsored by your donations, and if you would like to donate, please go to hardcorezen.info slash donate. That is hardcorezen.info slash donate. There you will find links to my PayPal and Patreon accounts. Those are my main and pretty much only ways of making a living. But as always, this podcast is offered for free, so you don't gotta send money if you don't want to send money. Okay, today's offering was recorded on May 31st, 2019, in Hamalina, Finland, also known as Lami, Finland. It used to be called Lami, and I guess officially now it's called Hamalina. And the place that I recorded this in was called the Lami Zen Center. And I've gone there every year since 2009 to lead retreats, and I went there in 2021 as well. So this talk is kind of interesting. It is one of several talks that I gave in which I was recording the audiobook of my book Letters to a Dead Friend about Zen. And if you've read the book Letters to a Dead Friend about Zen, or if you haven't, anyway, what it's about is a series of letters that I'm writing to my now dead friend about Zen from various cities and locations in Europe as I'm traveling through Europe doing one of these tours that I do every year. So I read the audiobook chapters, in places that were as near to where the letters in the book were supposedly written from as possible, and uh, that I made a sort of live audiobook. So, it's kind of a, it's I think, a, a neat way to do an audiobook. But what I also did is, after reading the chapters, I had a little Q&A session with the audience that I was reading it to, and I did not put the Q&A sessions in the audiobook. So, The audiobook contains all the recordings of me reading the chapters, but not the Q&As. And I've already already put one of these Q&A sessions up here on the podcast, and here's the second one I'm offering to you. And the chapter that I am reading from, or that you won't actually hear the chapter because I've cut it out, but the chapter, in case you want to know, is called, I'm looking at the book right now in case you can hear me turning pages, it's chapter four, Wild Beast Jerky. And... Yeah, that does, if you want to read the chapter and know what I'm talking about uh, beforehand, you can, but it doesn't, the questions don't really, you don't need to have heard the chapter in order to understand the Q&A session that follows. But I think this is interesting because in this q and I'm getting into what it means to be a Zen teacher, what it means to me to be a Zen t- teacher. Which is something that I've been wanting to talk about in my podcast and in my YouTube channel for a while, and here I am in 2019 talking about it, and I still feel kind of the same way as I did back then. And then it gets into a really interesting discussion about... So called good zazen versus so called bad zazen. And people are asking me about this all the time. In fact, I just finished answering a question I got in the email about this about somebody who's having bad zazen and wants to know how to improve it. And since it's such a common question, here's an answer that I gave to some folks in Finland in 2019. And uh, I think it's a good discussion, so I hope you enjoy it. I am planning to do some more sort of dedicated podcasts in the future instead of using these old talks that I've, I've given before as podcast uh, material, but I'm still working on that. And um, so for the time being, let's listen to what I said in 2019 to some people in Finland. I heard you say earlier about that you don't want to be any, anybody's teacher. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. But you had teachers Mm -hmm. like so so what is in that that you don't feel like call yourself a teacher yeah yeah why don't I call myself a teacher and if I don't yeah if I don't want teachers why do I do it (laughs) it's a good question I I feel like it's just a kind of way of of doing what I do I I feel like if Zen is going to be done right, it it's kind of... Uh, I always think it's like apprenticeship, you know? So in, a, in an apprenticeship, you... Uh, I don't want to do pot. I always think of pottery, but let's think of something else. Like a guitar, you know? So I, I play, I've played bass guitar for a long time, and guitar. And if somebody wanted to learn how to play guitar from me, well, one of the ways is I could say I'm a guitar teacher and have a lesson and this is lesson one, this is lesson two, lesson three, etc. Or I could say, look, just come, hang around and see what I do, you know, and I'll, I'll do these things and by looking at what I do and, and listening to it, um, you know, you can come while I'm practicing and, and we'll, we'll learn it together, you know. Um, and... I feel like that's the way Zen practice is. It's, it's the, the teacher, if there's any such thing as a teacher, the teacher is just per, a person who's doing it themselves. You know, they're doing this practice like I did, and I'm just doing it mainly for myself. But at a certain point, uh, you get good enough at it, and somebody tells you, okay, now you have to teach it too. And that's what happened to me. And initially, it wasn't, it wasn't something I tried to do or trained to do. Like, I didn't go to Zen teacher school to, to learn to be a Zen teacher. I just went and I sat with two different teachers and just kept coming every week and, and sitting at home and uh, reading books about it sometimes and uh, just kind of trying to, to learn. And then when other people come... Um, I, um, it's my method, is just saying, Well, I don't want to be a teacher, and, and saying it like that. And it's because I, I don't want them to have an expectation that I'm going to give some kind of lesson, you know, because there's no lesson, really. I mean, you, you've all, you're all here and you saw how it worked. <laughs> you know, it, when you, you can teach somebody how to do zazen. Very quickly, you know it takes a few minutes a two, two or three minutes really to, to teach you everything you need to know about doing zazen, and then that's, that's lesson one <laughs> and then what do you for do less, what do you do for lesson two i don 't know. Uh, lesson two is do that again, you know and lesson three is do it again, <laughs> you know, and you just keep doing that same thing and it 's very, very simple um, you know as far as the philosophy and things there's there's things i can tell you or anybody who wants to know about my practice and how it how it has been for me and why i do it or or uh, different things i've learned different things i've heard from other teachers and read in books and things and i can tell you that but there's no system and and i've seen actually people uh, try to make it into a system. Uh, I was really confused. This happened a few years ago. Someone came to... Uh, I don't remember even where I was. I was probably somewhere in the U.S. And, and somebody came and they wanted to start practicing with me. It must have been Los Angeles. Anyway, it doesn't matter. And this person, he said something like, well, I've done, I've done Zazen one and two, but I never did Zazen 3 and and I was and I was confused. I'm like, what? Well, you've done zazen one and two, but not three, and and he and he explained to me that yeah, he'd gone to this other Zen center where they do it. Like they have, and you pay some money to do zazen one, and then you pay some more money to do zazen two, and then zazen three. And I guess, and I and I thought, oh, that's <laughs> that's really weird because I, I I don't know what they do in that in that place. Uh, I don't know what Zazen one, two, and three is, but when I think about how I would do it, I'd be Zazen one, two, and three would all be the same. <laughs> you know, I don't know. You know, just more of the same. But maybe there's a way to do it another another way. But I just feel like that's that's how it goes. And and if it, it, my role is is I can be like a friend, maybe, to the, to the people who do the practice with me. And as long as we're all agreed on what we're going to do... I mean, this is why we have rules in the Zendo, you know, about the silence and all of this other say, stuff. So we all agree that we're going we're gonna to follow these rules while we're in the Zendo. And if everybody follows the rules, then there's not really a need for a kind of hierarchy, I mean, sometimes if you want to organize things, if you want to organize a retreat like we're doing here, you know, different people have different jobs, and and uh, and so in that sense, you know, the person who's the tenzo uh, is telling everybody, you know, you cut the carrots, you cut the onions, you know, this kind of thing, and there's a you know, so there's a kind of a hierarchy there, but it's only just so that function can happen, and it doesn't need to be like I'm above everybody else. I. I I do have some kind of, I don't want to say authority, but some kind of, you know, I got permission uh, to teach. You know, they call it permission to teach, but sometimes I think it's more like, in my case, like an order, like I was pushed into it. I mean, I've done it for, since Nishijima Roshi first kind of made me do it, it must have been at least 20 years. I think it was sometime in the... Well, it might have been less than 20 years, but some somewhere around 1999 or 2000 or so, somewhere around that year. I don't really remember the first time. I mean, I remember the first time I did it. I just don't remember what year it was. But I remember the first time because I was really nervous. Um, but uh, he just kind of pushed me into doing it. And then... As I did it more and more, I was doing it every week in Tokyo, and and I just got used to it. And now, now it's okay. Now, you know, now, I'm, now I'm fine. I don't get nervous about it anymore. But um, I still feel like I'm doing the same thing. You know, it's the same stuff, and I just, I just try to find out. This is why I like to ask questions of the group, or I like to get questions from the group because I want to know what you, you know where it is for you, because if I don't know where it is for, for you, then I can't, uh, I can't, uh, I can't do anything, <laughs> you know, because I don't have Lesson 2. <laughs> you know. I used to teach, well, I got, I took, um, when I was in university, the degree I got was in uh, teaching of history is what it was called, so I was supposed to be a history teacher for high schools. And I never actually got a job as a history teacher. I did the student teaching thing, and I did the training and, and stuff. But but um, I feel like a teacher who has just one lesson plan, you know, and then, then I just got one. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, on Monday I can give that lesson plan, and on Tuesday I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't know what to do on Tuesday. Um, I mean there's different ways to do it. I could give information. I could maybe teach the history of Zen or something like that. Yeah. And then you could learn the history of Zen and that would be fun. But that you know, this is kind of why I, I thought maybe doing these the letters, the, the book would be a good a good way to do it because it's just do you know that the there's a kind of common English phrase breaking the ice? You know, like if you're at a party and you want to talk to somebody but you don't know that person, then you have to have the icebreaker, which is, you know, usually some joke or something, and people have different ones that they use and they try different things. And that's what I feel like my lectures are always, you know, they're always just icebreakers, you know. I'm just trying to to um, make it more comfortable for people to ask questions and tell me what they want to know, and then I can do it, so... Yeah, So, in a sense, I don't mind being a teacher, but I think once somebody starts calling you a teacher and saying, I'm, I'm your student, then it develops this funny relationship. And honestly, maybe it's okay for other people. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know what to do. If somebody starts saying, oh, I'm Brad Warner's student, then I'm like, oh, I don't know, I don't know what to do with this guy. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, with me when, when I used to sit with uh, Tim, my first teacher, at first it was just a, it was a class that we had in a university, Kent State University, and I was a student of that class. But after that, when I sort of continued with him, you know, I think first he, he used to like to go to this bar called the Venice Cafe, and uh, he drank he doesn't drink alcohol anymore. It, came a problem for him I guess and he stopped but at that point he used to like to drink beer and, and I didn't really like drinking beer but I would go to the Venice cafe and just sit with him and I'd order like orange juice or something and he'd have his beer and I'd be sitting there and I'd be talking to him and that's what, and that's what uh, being a student was for, for me <laughs> you know uh, and I, I know, and that's, that worked that was okay I learned some things that way you know and then on other days we'd sit together you know he'd have a little group and we'd sit as awesome together and it was always like that and with Nishijima Roshi he gave lectures about Shobogenzo and I would listen to him talk about Shobogenzo but but for me it was always more interesting when we did the Q&A so what he would do is he would he would read a chapter of Shobogenzo just very almost like what I did here you know just with the page in front of his face and just read the chapter and then he must have, you know, had an idea of how long he was going to read. So he would read for a certain amount of time, and then he would stop and he'd say, does anyone have any questions? And then there would be silence. <laughs> and we'd be like, ah, oh, I don't know, I don't understand any of that, what he just said on Token, you know. So eventually somebody would be like, uh... Do you like pizza? <laughs> you know, then we could have a conversation, and it was just kind of the way it, and he was fine. He, he, whatever question you asked, it was okay. So I guess I sort of tried to do a combination of somewhere between the two styles. you know that's a long answer to a short question.: <laughs> I would like to know more about the book. Is it? about your friend and your relationship with your friend or is it about death or is it about uh, perhaps just like that of an introduction to the history of mm-hmm. saying it's it's kind of all so the, the you yeah so the book is about hmm. Originally I was I had the idea... Okay, I'll, I'll explain. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if this is interesting to everybody, but um, what I originally tried to do was I noticed I was traveling around a lot talking to groups and about books that I wrote. Mm-hmm. And my books were becoming more and more difficult as time went on. I was trying to get into deeper subjects. Mm-hmm. And so I'd go around, and I'm talking about Dogen and... You know, Dogen's philosophy of the nature of time, and you know this kind of very difficult stuff. And then when I start doing the Q and A, I realized the audience is like, "Who was Buddha?" You know, (laughs) maybe I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you know, I'm going, "Oh no, I'm talking." You know, this is too much for these this. Audience, And that, that doesn't mean the audience is stupid or anything, it's just I'm going in this one direction of getting really deep into Dogen and the audience is kind of, I'm kind of losing the audience maybe a little bit. So I had the idea at first and I talked to my publishers about doing the, a book called Zen 101, which would be like really basic Zen and just kind of strip it down and just do it. And I tried to write that and I spent... god like six months trying to write this book zen 101 and i hated it (laughs) i just really hated this book and i'm going i'll never finish this book and in the meantime all of this life stuff was happening and and i kind of said it well I'll, i'll just say it again because it's um i can tell the whole story now uh in 2014, I was traveling through Europe and my friend, uh, t- like, like I said yesterday, two of my friends were both dying of cancer, p- people I knew since high school. One was in a band, he was the drummer for the, a band, the first punk band I ever had, and the other was this guy who I shared a house with uh, later on, and he was also part of the punk scene. And they both got cancer at around the same time and they both died within like, Two months of each other, or something—I can't remember exactly. Really close together, and and it was while I was traveling, and I had been um, sending emails back and forth uh, to one of them, and trying to talk to him, and so I, I decided that this this would be a book of like letters to uh, to kind of a fictional person based on the two people I knew and then, and then based a little bit on some other people that I knew and trying to explain to them what Zen is so I, I was using some of the same material as Zen 101 but kind of changing it so that I was talking to somebody specific about it and it helped but as to, you, you were also asking is it about death and, and all of this other stuff, yeah it, it, it is, there's, um, there's probably more death chapters uh, in it than um, than in other books that I've written, because of course, the nature of who I was supposedly talking to, and I was trying to imagine what would you say about death to somebody who has already died, you know because mm-hmm. <laughs> of course they know all about it, right? but they can't tell you anything uh, so uh, so you're 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 kind of talking in a funny way about death, but it's I, I'm also trying to. Answer the question of what. What does Zen practice have to do with real life? Because that's what's important, you know. And I, I felt like maybe I was losing that a little bit in my writing. I don't think I completely lost it because I think even my newer books, like uh, *It Came from Beyond Zen* and stuff, are, are about real life. But when you're when you're using Dogen and and this kind of ancient philosophy, um, you know, people don't immediately recognize that it's about life, and I and I think that's important. Um, that's why I did the Dogen books the way I did. I tried to make them more alive and and more contemporary because I think Dogen was talking to people. You know, he wasn't talking to people eight hundred years. I mean, he was talking to people eight hundred years ago, but everybody it was eight hundred years ago for everybody. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it wasn't it wasn't like he was talking in some. You know, to, in some kind of <coughs> classical, you know, we call it classical Japanese now, but it wasn't classical Japanese when he wrote it. It was, it was just <coughs> the way people talked, you know. And I wanted to bring some of that back into it. And uh, so it's so it's like that, and and, uh, and trying to kind of relate it to to uh, life, and 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 say why I thought it was important, because I, I think this practice is important, um, and I think it's it's really good, um, which is funny to say, because I, I people people hear about Zen, and they think it's something, you know, like, oh, way off there in the, you know, in Tibet or something, I don't know, people don't usually know where it comes from, so they think it's like something people do on mountaintops in, the, in, the, in Asia, you know. You know, with beautiful clouds rolling by and stuff. I'm just looking at that picture on the wall and mm-hmm. thinking that's what that's what they think it is. They think it's that picture on the wall of the guy with the crown on his head and 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 the clouds and he's floating on a lotus and and stuff. But for me, that's not what Zen is. I mean, that's a nice picture and and I appreciate the picture, but that's not Zen for me. It's never felt like like that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, I I. I, I it's you know I'm sitting on a little cushion in my in my room, facing the closet with a with a guitar next to me and the, the bed over here and, and some books piled up on the side and and stuff like that and that's Zen practice you know, uh, or or when I had a cat you know I'm sitting in zazen with the cat going, hey feed me feed me or what are you doing there <laughs> you know. And going, come my cat. You know, just going. Okay, okay, you can sleep there. It's fine. You know, trying to. You know, it's that's what it's about. It's not this kind of great thing. But that's why it was useful. You know, it was useful for life, and it was useful for for figuring out how to make life a little better. And and I think if it's not doing that, then I don't care. You know, I don't. I'm not really. I'm interested in Dogen because I think Dogen speaks about things that that are important. I think Dogen actually spoke about real life and and real experience, but we, we lose that in the translation because we're all worried about, you know, this academic sort of study of it and you lose what, what he's talking about. And this is just another attempt to try to do to do that, you know. Try to make it about that. And you know. Maybe maybe people will like it. I don't know. We'll see. I was wondering about the the wild beast, you have used that same uh, is it a metaphor, I don't know. Before, yeah, I, guess but it's I, I started to think now that um, what do you do to keep it from eating you? Or is, it, is it just Zazen or is it something else? What do you do to keep the wild beast from eating you? Yeah, um, Zazen mostly. It's, it's, when I said that about you know Zen being like a wild beast, what I mean is... Uh, well, when you first start practicing Zazen, for most people, I think, for a first year or two of practicing zazen it's really it's boring, mostly. you know, or sometimes or sometimes you feel this kind of nice, peaceful feeling that's you know, and people love that, you know it's it's really good. Um, and And that's great. So you have this nice peaceful feeling, and you're sitting there with your peaceful feeling every day. but after after a while. I don't know, for me, it it's, I started happening fairly early. Within a few months of practice, it, st- it was already starting to become weird, you know, sometimes. Because you're, you're, and you know, you'll find this, I think, on a retreat especially. Your mind just opens up and all sorts of things are, are coming up. You know, um, like this morning for me was something, like I'm just... I was just sitting here this morning just regretting all, all these things I've done in my life, <laughs> you know. Just, I'm sitting in front of you trying to be the, the teacher, and I'm just, you don't, you don't know what's going on in my mind, but I'm just like almost crying because, oh my God, I, don't, I can't believe I did that or said <laughs> that thing. and Oh no. You know, and you have things like that, you know, and sometimes you'll have a... a just an overwhelming sense of fear, you know. I've had that happen to me during zazen, where I'm just terrified. I wrote about it in hardcore Zen, but I, I just wrote about one time it happened. It, it's happened more times than that, where it's just like ah, you know, and and you know, it, and it's not even focused on anything. It's just like just I'm terrified, you know, for no reason, you know, or 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 you have all sorts of of strange feelings, you know, sometimes the mind just starts to bring up things that you don't you don't even know what it is. You know, I don't know if it's frightening or scary or beautiful or funny. It's just like, I don't know what that is. You know, or, or some thought appears in your mind that you can't... You never... I never... I'm not the kind of person who thinks that kind of thought. You know, sometimes that one comes up. You know, you're like, ah! You know, it's like... I don't know a racist thought or, or a violent thought or, or you know something like that, um, and and it, it uh, and you're like I don't think thoughts like that. What's that? You know, and and so that's the wild beast part of it. It's just like I, every time I sit down to to do zazen, I'm not sure what's going to happen. You know, I don't know if it's going to be one of the nice calm times or mostly I would say maybe. 70% of the time it's boring, you know, and, and that's great. It's, I, I love those, you know. <laughs> I used to, it's kind of funny. I, I, when I first started practicing, I was like, oh, this is a boring one. I want one of the exciting ones, you know. But after a few years of having those exciting Zazen things happen, I'm like, oh, great, this is boring. <laughs> I'm so happy, <laughs> you know, this turned out to be a boring one. Uh, you know, I'm just thinking about. Oh, I have to buy some socks. Where do they sell socks in Finland? Do they have good socks in Finland? They must have good socks in Finland because it's cold here. You know, and those kind of that's great. You know, I love that socks. Um, you know, uh, but and so and how do you how do you tame it? Is I think I think it's just practice. You know, you just. When those things, when it, those strange things happen, it's just kind of a matter of of holding on. You know, sometimes I just feel like, oh, okay, okay, you know, it's like, mm, okay, maybe it's, is it gonna stop soon? <laughs> you know, or or you know, or on the other side, sometimes you get the really beautiful feelings in in zazen, and I know I know a lot of meditation practice and a lot of meditation methods are trying to teach you how to have those exciting you know those beautiful moments not necessarily exciting ones Um, but I found that those can be a trap too like they they feel really nice and you can go ah you know I understand the great secret you know or, or something you know it's maybe not quite as clear as that I remember one time sitting in a retreat where it just felt like everything, it was so stable that nothing I could do could ever disturb this. You know, it was just perfect balance. And even if I wanted to think about the craziest thing, it was just kind of up there, you know, and the balance was was still around. And I'm going, wow, this must be what real Zazen is, you know, about, you know, because it's just nothing, nothing can happen Yeah, I can have a thought, I can have no thought it's 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 all right there and it was great, you know and then the bell rang and, and uh, got up and I, I don't know what we did we went and did something and I came back <clears throat> you know, we all came back to the Zendo to sit and the bell rings three times like it always does and I, I wasn't the teacher, I was just one of the sitters And I'm sitting there going, okay, here comes. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Wonderful feeling. Come on, wonderful (laughs) feeling. I'm just sitting there going, where's the wonderful feeling? Oh come on. I thought I had the wonder, you know, I thought I finally figured it out. But there's no wonderful feeling anymore. And it's just like, maybe I should get some socks. could get blue socks this time and you know and just and 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 then and then you start the the thing i would do when those things happen that time and other times is you're just trying to go why? where is it where is it where is it you know and then that becomes a problem of like where is the feeling where is the feeling so i understand why the the zen tradition says don't don't even try to have that you know don't even try to have a good feeling just just feel whatever you feel because eventually if you can do that then no matter what comes up it's okay you know beautiful feeling and and it really if you can let go of the good feeling then when the bad scary stuff happens you can let that go too and it's just like okay they're good I'm scared whatever. <laughs> Oh, I'm terrified, I'm going to die someday oh, that'll be great <laughs> yeah know it'll be like, you know. uh, my mother never loved me <laughs> whatever, I don't know just some random feeling that you feel you just go, oh it's, oh it's okay, it's fine You know, I, I feel like that's okay And uh, and I think that's why I think that's why the practice that we have developed in the way that it did because, you know, those other those other things are exciting and you know, and maybe you, you know, have that experience and you come down and you're, you can go like, ah, oh, but who cares, you know, really? Really, who, who cares? I, 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 that's what I say, I feel like whenever I, I see, you know, I'll sometimes look at the books or, or watch YouTube videos if I want amusement of, of these spiritual people telling their, their stories of how enlightened they are and I'm like, <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> You know, and there's all these. You know, you can see all these people sitting in front of them, going, you know, wow. And they're telling the story, and yes, and and the way of truth is, you know, oh Christ. You know, who cares? You know, I don't. I don't, I don't care about that. I, I, you know, I know what it's like to be a person who cared about that, because I used to care about that. You know, I'd be like, oh, really? What happened next? But you know, who cares? I don't care what happened next. <laughs> you know, it's not, that's not my life. Um, so, yeah, so so I guess to answer the question, it's just sitting zazen is, is the, the only way that I've found that works, is that shikantaza, that just sitting and just letting everything, you know, happen as it happens, was really... Um, has been really the best thing, you know, and it's so simple, it, but it's been the best thing um, that I ever found in my whole life. And so, and so to answer your question about being a teacher, I, I, I'm happy to teach other people that thing because I think it's the best thing. But I also know, just getting back to the question about a teacher, is that you can't, you can't teach somebody about that unless, they're, unless they want to learn, you know? You can't. I can't go knocking on the door and say, do you want to hear the good news about, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> about <be> right. Zen? <laughs> or, or, yeah, the, you, you, the, the people, of, you got them here, too. It's, it's so funny. You see this, this same thing happening all over the world, the people with the little stands of magazines. Like, is it the Jehovah's Witnesses or something? Yeah. And they're like, you know, learn the great news about, you can't do that with Zen. It doesn't, it doesn't work, you know? Here's the great news about Zen, and we have one of my books sitting there with a dinosaur on the cover. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Maybe I should do it. <laughs> it might be a good YouTube skit. You know, I could just go and like be somewhere in Los Angeles and put a bunch of my books up and stand there, like, "Would you like to hear the good news about Zen?" <laughs> and see if anybody <laughs> if anybody comes. Um. Oh, God. I'd be too embarrassed to do it, but I think it'd be hilarious. Maybe I'll do it. <laughs> okay, there you go. That's what I said to the folks in Finland back in 2019. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to support this podcast, please go to hardcorezen.info slash donate. That is hardcorezen. Dot info slash donate there you will find links to my paypal and patreon accounts those are my main ways of making a living and i really appreciate your support but as always this is offered for free so you don't gotta pay if you don't want to pay we will see you next time have a good time all the time enjoy yourselves bye